The Irish singer and activist Bono has observed that music can change the world because it can change people. Music, and especially song, can also tell the story of a people. I grew up in a home filled with Hebrew songs, songs that span more than a century of life in Palestine and Israel. I remember when my grandfather had severe dementia and could no longer converse with anyone in the family. He could still join in song as we gathered around him to sing the Hebrew songs of his youth. It was only once I began to focus on the lyrics of the songs that he taught me that I understood that the soundtrack of his youth was also the soundtrack of the state of Israel. Indeed, one can understand both the history of Israel and its conflicts and contradictions through a brief tour of some of the most popular songs that emerged from each of Israel's wars. In this podcast, I will highlight a few of these songs and trace the evolution of Israel's national mood over the past 75 years. Israel was born in war, and its 1948 War of Independence inspired many popular songs. The backdrop for the war was the United Nations' decision to partition Palestine into both an Arab and Jewish state, and Great Britain's retreat from the territory in May of 1948. A 10-month-long war ensued in which a ragged band of Jewish immigrants from war-torn Europe, many of whom were refugees only recently liberated from Nazi concentration camps, defeated a coalition of Arab nations including Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Iraq, and Lebanon to establish sovereignty over the land allocated to them by the UN. The Israeli song Chareut, which translates to The Friendship, was written by Chaim Guri, a commander in the Palmach, the underground Jewish military organization that was the predecessor to the Israeli Defense Forces. It maintains a march-like beat, which symbolizes the marching Israeli forces as they pushed back their Arab counterparts. The song also emphasizes the theme of collective sacrifice for a common goal, with lyrics that celebrate those friends that fell on their swords and left us this precious gift, indicating the new nation. The song continues, but we know that a friendship like that we are bound all our lives to remember, for a love that in battle is forged will endure while we live fierce and tender. Guri captures the post-Holocaust mantra of strength and remembrance and idealizes the soldiers who sacrificed their lives to birth the nation. In another song written about the 1948 war, Bab el-Wad, Guri evokes the battle on the road by that name, which goes from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Many died along this road during the war as they tried to get to Jerusalem, which was under siege. The following verse is especially poignant. And I walk, passing here silently, and I remember them, one by one. Here we fought together on cliffs and boulders. Here we were one family. By referring to the diverse group of Jewish soldiers as one family, Guri is promoting a narrative of the new state of Israel as a melting pot of Eastern and Western Jews, bounded by the goal of national sovereignty. If the music of 1948 celebrated the sacrifices made in founding the new nation, the music of the 1967 Six-Day War speaks to the triumphalism of the nation as it rose to near superpower status. In 1967, 
following Egyptian President Nasser's closure of the Straits of Tehran and his mobilization of Egyptian troops to the Israeli border, Israel launched a preemptive attack, and in only six days, not only defeated the surrounding Arab nations, but made significant territorial gains, gaining control over the Gaza Strip, Sinai, Golan Heights, and, most significantly, East Jerusalem and its holy sites. Naomi Shemer's Yerushalayim Shel Zahav, which translates as Jerusalem of Gold, is the most well-known song from this period. Though actually written three days before the onset of the war, Shemer added a final verse after its conclusion. Here's a soundbite from the song. Her reference to a wall at the end of the first stanza is a reference to the Wailing Wall and to Jewish claims to the old city of Jerusalem. The second stanza highlights the sadness Jews felt between 1948 and 1967, when they were prohibited from entering the old city and praying at the holy site. It speaks of dried up cisterns, or wells, and empty marketplaces, and includes gloomy imagery, such as howling winds, to capture the feeling of despair. The final verse of the song, however, is triumphalist, and describes a beautiful, liberated Jerusalem in which thousands of suns shine, marketplaces are once again vibrant, and a victorious ram's horn, or shofar, is sounded. The 1967 war marked a radical change in the Middle East. Israelis no longer viewed themselves as the meek victims of the Holocaust, but they were instead empowered and emboldened sabras, or native Israelis, tough and resilient. And with such power, especially over the Arabs and the lands it now occupied, came a reassessment of the national ethos. Nowhere is this evolution of identity more clear than in Rachel Shapira's song about Sinai. The song includes the following verse, I grew up in a little land, and that is why my song is full of amazement. How mighty are the mountains made from granite, like those I'd never seen before. Dudu Barak's To the North with Love expresses a similar sentiment. A thousand songs to the north from Golan to Hermon, until the Kinneret in the Golan Heights we will sing. Of course, becoming an occupying nation took its toll not only on the occupied, but on the occupiers too. And over the next several years, the Arabs and Israelis engaged in what is known as the Endless War of Attrition. During this period, much of the confidence and satisfaction felt by the Israelis in 1967 waned. Inspired by the anti-war movement in the United States, a nascent anti-war movement arose in Israel. The anthem of this movement was a song written by Yankala Rodplik called Shir La Shalom, or A Song for Peace. Here's a soundbite. rock music in the background of the song and its loud protest singing style is indicative of its anti-militant stance. The following verse is especially salient. 
Nobody will bring us back from a dead and darkened pit. Here, neither the victory cheer nor songs of praise will help. The song highlights the reversal that was occurring in the Israeli national psyche. Whereas earlier Israeli war songs celebrated death and sacrifice as a uniting narrative, Replete insists that we instead, and I'm quoting here, let go of those that have departed and sing a song for love and for peace instead of for war. The next major event to shake Israel was the 1973 war, when Egypt and Syria launched a surprise attack on Yom Kippur, the holiest day in the Jewish calendar. Israel was caught off guard and suffered heavy losses, especially early in the conflict. Though it gained the upper hand after almost a month of fighting, Israelis understood that they had barely escaped annihilation. The impact of the war can be seen clearly from its two most popular songs. The first is Naomi Shemer's Lu Yehi, or Let It Be, which borrowed the music of the Beatles' hit song. It captures this sense of Israeli disillusionment following the war. Here's a soundbite from the song. Imagery of a white sail on the horizon, opposite a heavy black cloud, and a holiday candle flickering, is representative of the fragility that Israelis were experiencing. Shemer also mentions the cry of the shofar, which she used in Jerusalem of Gold to connote victory, but here she uses it in the same sentence as the sound of the drums of war, to illustrate how victories in war now led only to more war and more suffering. In a similar vein, Yehoram Gaon's 1973 song, Hamil or The Last War, advances a message similar to Rope Leet's Song of Peace. Here's a soundbite. <laughs> The lyrics describe in great depth the sorrow and pain of the war with mentions of pilots hit by rocket fire and anti-aircraft guns, paratroopers covered in lead and smoke, and artillerymen submerged in a hailstorm of mortars. Unlike the Song for Peace's message of hope and reconciliation, Gaon simply repeats over and over again that this will be the final war. By this point, 
as Gaon reflects in this wildly popular song. Many Israelis were disenchanted and wary of war and death. The peace movement in Israel grew rapidly following the 1973 war, even as successive Israeli governments continued to build settlements in the occupied territories. By the early 2000s, following the two intifadas in Israel's disastrous war in Lebanon, the mood in Israel had darkened even more. Once again, alongside the incumbent Netanyahu government grew a strong peace movement, this time focused on improving Palestinian-Israeli relations. In 2009, in the midst of the Gaza war between Israel and Hamas, the popular Israeli singer Achinoam Nini joined forces with Arab-Israeli singer Mira Awad to represent Israel at the Eurovision Song Contest. They sang a song entitled There Must Be Another Way, which is a hopeful ballad. Here is an excerpt. These lyrics evoke the hardship and pain inflicted upon citizens of both Israel and Palestine, with mentions of tears flowing in vain and a nameless pain. Nini sings, When I cry, I cry for both of us, which highlights how disillusioned and tired both sides of the conflict are after almost a century of suffering and death. The song is also trilingual in English, Hebrew, and Arabic which emphasizes the songwriter's vision of a multicultural and pluralistic Israel. The soundtrack of Israel, and especially the soundtrack of its wars, is surely a window into the soul of the nation. Oh, 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 oh,